Hello, welcome to another episode of uh, Truth Triumphant Radio. I'm your host, Cody Mori. And uh, in <laughs> in light of um, last week's um, show, I wanted to actually do a continuation of our discussion on Bathsheba because I actually got a few people that, you know, one person said in, in the comment box on YouTube where we post this uh, as well as the podcast uh, was basically that Bathsheba deserved to die, you know. Um, <clears throat> and I want to point out, I I understand where. And other another person told me, another person told me that you know the the woman's body was created, you know, as something very pleasing to the eye for the male. So when Bathsheba was bathing on the roof. You know, she was essentially enticing uh, King David into this horrible act, which eventually turned not only into adultery, but into murder and really shamed the entire kingdom and history of Israel right up into this very day. I mean, people still point the finger at David and say, see, this was a man after God's own heart and look what he did. You know, so if that is the case and she enticed him, then certainly she deserves her share in the responsibility. And and I, I want to say that I, I understand where people are coming from who have the view that Bathsheba is equally or at least partially uh, at fault in this whole situation between her, Uriah, and King David, because that was my view for a very long time. The problem with that is, is that when you actually read the Bible, the Bible itself does not support that it was Bathsheba's fault somehow. You actually have to pull that out yourself. There's no, you're never going to, you're not going to find a single scripture verse passage in the Old Testament or in the New Testament that will say that Bathsheba was to blame, that she did something wrong, that what she did displeased the Lord. You won't find that verse, but you will find a plethora of verses that will say that uh, in reaction to David and, and pointing at David. And the Bible really doesn't... Um, the Bible really doesn't try to make itself politically correct in any way. So this is, I don't think this is part of the revisionist history, as one person had said. Um, I really think that if you look at just the scriptures themselves, you, you can see that the Bible is nowhere condemning Bathsheba for this whole altercation that occurred. And if you're a Seventh-day Adventist, as I am, and you read... And we're going to take a, a, a moment here to read, to get some context, to read from Patriarchs and Prophets and read those passages again. Uh, if, you, if you believe the spirit of prophecy, uh, then as you're reading through Patriarchs and Prophets and it's saying that David sinned against Bathsheba, you're, you're basically, you're, you're, you're caught between two, like a fork in the road, between two paths. Option number one is I'm going to believe that, no, 
David did not commit sin against Bathsheba and Uriah. He only committed sin against Uriah and Bathsheba helped him. That's one way. But that would be a rejection of the spirit of prophecy. Now that's totally your choice to do that. The other option would be, okay, so the spirit of prophecy is telling me here, and easily proven by the Bible as we'll look into with uh, Nathan's uh, prophecy here, or his story rather. The other option is, okay, maybe I'm missing something here. Clearly the spirit of prophecy is not putting any blame on Bathsheba. Perhaps I need to take a closer look at this. So that's what I want to do today. I want to take uh, one more closer look at it just because this issue is so confused. And I actually found a great article online about this from 2013 that we're going to be taking a look at. But before we start there, I wanted to read a quote, actually one of the ones I read last week, and I just wanted to read it again from Spiritual Gifts, Volume 4A, page 85 through 89. It says this, Results of David's wrongdoing, uh, that's the, the, the title heading, David was made to feel bitterly the fruits of wrongdoing. Notice that, David was. David was made to feel bitterly the fruits of wrongdoing. His sons acted over the sins of which he had been guilty. Amnon committed a great crime. Absalom revenged it by slaying him. Thus was David's sin brought continually to his mind. And he was made to feel the full weight of the injustice done to Uriah and Bathsheba. Did you hear that? The spirit of prophecy is saying, thus was David's sin brought, David's sin, not Bathsheba's sin, David's sin was brought continually to his mind. And he, David, not Bathsheba, David was made to feel the full weight of the injustice done to who? To Uriah and Bathsheba. See, you have two, you have two sides here that the spirit of prophecy is painting. You have a group that is the victim, and you have another group that is the oppressor, okay? And David's camp is, a, a, in this particular issue, he is the oppressor in this particular issue. Now, we know he repented of this and praised the Lord for that. But Bathsheba, where would she fall? According to the statement, which camp would she fall into? Well, the full weight of injustice done to Uriah and Bathsheba, she's in the same camp as Uriah, obviously, and was Uriah a victim or an oppressor? He was a victim. So if Bathsheba and Uriah are both in the victim camp, then perhaps we might take want to take a closer look at this. So I wanted to start uh, by reading 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 1 through 3 again. We're going to do a, a, a couple of readings, uh, a great many actually today, because I don't want it to be just me saying it. I want us to take a look at Scripture and to see what it actually has to say on this issue. Um, so, verses 1 through 3, 2 Samuel, chapter 11. It came to pass, after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. Now there's your, your first problem right there. David was supposed to be out to battle, but he wasn't. Now, I had never noticed this before. 
I thought this was very interesting. You know, when you when you look at this stuff and you go, okay, you know, if she was bathing on the rooftop, you know, obviously in the sight of everybody, that is, you know, whether she's she's doing it, you know, uh, in, in ignorance is bliss sort of thing, or whether she is doing it, uh, you know, completely, uh, you know, promiscuously. Either way, she seems to be at fault here. But I had never noticed this before. I had never noticed this before. The Bible does not actually teach, if you read it from the King James Version or the Geneva Bible, which I have here with me also, it does not say that Bathsheba was bathing on the roof. It does not say that. That's one of the myths that's uh, in this whole situation. Here, I'll read it to you. Verse 2. It came to pass in evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. Who's on the roof? David's on the roof. He walked upon the roof of the king's house. It says, And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. So where does David see her from? The roof. So David's on the roof, and from that very same roof which David is on, he sees a woman washing herself. So he's, peep he's peeping into somebody's home here. He's looking. He's a peeping Tom. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we're all sinners. We're all saved by God's grace. And David was going through a time where he essentially turned away from that grace for a time. And his... his natural self his natural fleshly carnal self came through and as we've seen throughout the history of david one of his issues was women uh, essentially david was a pervert i mean that was something he struggled with being a pervert pervert sexual sin that's something he struggled with so what we're reading here According to verse 2, it says, David arose from off his bed, I'll read it again, and walked upon the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. In other words, from the roof of the king's house, he saw a woman washing herself. doesn't say that she was on the roof. Verse 3 says, David sent and inquired after the woman, and one said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And if I read here from the Geneva Bible, verse 2, it says, And when it was evening tide, David arose out of his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's palace. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. So he's on the roof, not her. I found on online an article by uh, LeePowers.com, September 5th, 2013, found very interesting. It says five reasons why Bathsheba wasn't on the roof. Number one, David was on the roof. Bathsheba wasn't. And they basically tell you there to look at verse 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 2 of, of 2 Samuel. And you'll see that you, you can't find proof positive that Bathsheba was bathing on the roof. It only says that she was bathing. It says King David was on the roof. And from that roof that he was on, he was peeping into someone's home. Number two, Bathsheba was conducting 
her monthly purification rites. That's another reason to understand why she probably was not trying to be promiscuous because she was going through a ritual purification uh, that has that was laid out in Leviticus that after a woman goes through her monthly cycle, what we would call her period today, then there was a seven-day purification uh, ritual that, that she would go through. So you're telling me that as she's going through her, her purification rites, a, a ceremony between her and God, that she is basically offering her body to the world while her husband is away at war. Not likely. Not likely. Um, and you can read that uh, chapter 11, verses 4 and 5. I'm going to read from the Geneva here, but it's almost identical in the King James. Uh, it says, And David sent messengers and took her away, and she came unto him, and he lay with her. Not she laid with him, he laid with her. Now she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her home. So her uncleanness, meaning her, the time of her monthly uh, period. And verse 5 says, And the woman conceived, therefore she sent and told David, and said, I am with child. Now the Geneva Bible, for those of you who don't know, I have the uh, really great version here that updated the language a little bit to modern language. This was the Bible before the King James Bible. It's done from the same manuscripts. And actually it was done by John Calvin and John Knox. They have a commentary at the bottom throughout. It doesn't say uh, whose commentary is whose, but this is commentary from people like uh, Miles Coverdale, uh, John Knox, John Calvin, and other um, Reformation scholars at the time. And in verse 5 it says, Fearing, uh, on the commentary, Fearing lest she should be stoned according to the law. So the reason why Bathsheba contacted David was not because she was saying, okay, what are we going to do because uh, we got to get Uriah out of the way. What she was saying was, is I'm going to be stoned to death. That's, that's what the punishment for adultery is according to the law of Moses. Now, you, this is your sin, so what are we going to do about this, essentially? That's, that's the idea that you're getting, not from the re, uh, revisionist history, but from the reformers who were in the 15th, or sorry, the 16th and 17th centuries talking about this in their 1599 Geneva Bible. Now, point number three, according to this article, it says, the Bible usually doesn't mince words. When Potiphar's wife attempted to seduce Joseph, the Bible makes it perfectly clear. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome, and after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me, from Genesis chapter 39, verses 6 through 7. No ambiguity there. It also makes it clear when Lot's daughters got their father drunk so they could sleep with him in order to carry on their family line, Genesis chapter 20, verse 30 through 38. When Tamar dressed as a prostitute and sat on the side of the road to force her father-in-law to fulfill her rights under the uh, Levite law, the Bible doesn't leave any doubt about what she was doing. Genesis chapter 38, 13 through 19. If Bathsheba had deliberately been trying to entice David, the text would have said so. And I agree. I agree. 
Number four, David takes the initiative throughout the encounter. David clearly plays the active role in the story. He saw Bathsheba. He sent someone to find out about her. He sent messengers to get, get her. He slept with her or he laid with her. She is treated almost as an object. The king sees her, wants her, sends for her, and takes her. David's lusts and powers are the driving force of the entire story. And I want to point out that this chapter ends with verse 27, which says this. Verse 27 of 2 Samuel chapter 11. So when the morning was past, David sent and took her into his house, and she became his wife. This is after Uriah is dead. And bare him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. You see who the blame's getting put on? David. According to that verse, it says, but the thing that David and Bathsheba had done displeased... No, it doesn't say that. It says, but the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Now, the fifth reason, and this is the reason I brought up last time. You are the man. Nathan, in his story, puts the blame on David. Nathan's parable in 2 Samuel chapter 12, puts the blame squarely on David. God had given David wives, wealth, and power. Yet this was not enough. David desired and took another man's wife for his own, then murdered Uriah to cover up his own sin. David not only committed adultery and murder, he despised the commandment of the Lord. Nathan doesn't include Bathsheba in this prophetic outcry. David, and David only, is the focus of the proclamation. And I want to read, and again, I'm going to be reading from the 1599 Geneva Bible. This was the Bible of the Puritans and the Pilgrims when they first landed here in America. But I want to read the parable. It says this, starting in verse 1, chapter 12. Then the Lord sent Nathan unto, unto David. So the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to who? To David and Bathsheba? No, to David. Who came to him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding, exceedingly many sheep and oxen, but the poor had none at all, save one little sheep, which had been bought and nourished up. And it grew up with him, and with his children also, and it did eat of his own morsels and drank of his own cup and slept in his own in his bosom and it was unto him his daughter now there came a stranger unto the rich man who refused to take of his own sheep and of his own oxen to dress for the stranger that had come in unto him but took the poor man's sheep and dressed it for the man that was come unto him that was come to him then david was exceedingly wroth with the man and said to Nathan, as the Lord liveth, the man that had done this thing shall surely die and he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and had no pity thereof. Then Nathan said to David, thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel and delivered thee out of the hand of Saul and gave thee thy Lord's house and thy Lord's wives unto thy bosom and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah and would moreover, if it had been too little, would have given thee such and such things. Wherefore thou, thou hast despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight. 
Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me, and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and will take thy wives before thine eyes, and give them to thy neighbor, and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of his sin. For thou didst, didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the Son. So essentially, what's being said there is Uriah had this this one lamb that's all he had and david was this rich man he had he had a bunch of lambs but those weren't good enough for him he had ox sheep cattle he had everything but this one ewe lamb whom uriah loved who was bathsheba david took it david took it from him he took the one lamb from the the one who only who had little instead of being satisfied with the abundance of what he had. Now, basically, really to put a capstone on all of this, I want to read from the Spirit of Prophecy again. I'm going to read a little bit more to give us some more context. But notice who the Spirit of Prophecy is placing the blame on every single turn, every single time. And again, as we as we've seen that example number uh, uh, number three, that the Bible doesn't mince words. You don't see this same thing going on throughout the re even even Mary Magdalene. You know, she was about to get stoned to death, and Jesus stopped it all when he said, "He who has sin, cast the first stone," he, or "He who is without sin, cast the first stone." And then he says to her, he looks at her and he says to her. Has, any, has anyone left condemned you? And she said, no, my Lord. And he says, neither have I condemned you. Go and sin no more. He acknowledges that she, what she was doing as a prostitute was sinful. And when you look at all those other stories, when you look at Potiphar's wife, when you look at what Tamar was doing, when you look at what Lot's daughters did, you see the Bible clearly tells you the intention of those women. It tells you their intention. It tells you their heart. It tells you what they were thinking. It never does this in the story with David and Bathsheba. It never says Bathsheba wanted this to happen. Bathsheba planned this to happen. The Lord was displeased with Bathsheba. Never says that. What it does say is that David, according to the spirit of prophecy, David sinned and did a great injustice to Uriah and Bathsheba. The parable points to David and David alone. It shows Uriah and Bathsheba as the victims in that parable. And now, as I read this from Patriarchs and Prophets, I think it'll put everything into, into clear context for us all. Uh, pages 717 through 721 um, in different areas, there's some parts that I, I actually skip over. So if you just uh, if you look through there, but it's in between those pages. It says this: 
Before the conclusion of the war with the Ammonites, David, leaving the conduct of the army to Joab, returned to Jerusalem. The Syrians had already submitted to Israel, and the complete overthrow of the Ammonites appeared certain. David was surrounded by the fruits of victory and the honors of his wise and able rule. It was now, while he was at ease and unguarded, that the tempter seized the opportunity to occupy his mind. The fact that God had taken David into so close connection with himself and had manifested so great favor toward him should have been in him the strongest of incentives to preserve his character unblemished. But when, God, but when in ease of self-security he let go his hold upon God, David yielded to Satan and brought upon his soul the stain of guilt. He, the heaven-sent appointed leader of the nation, chosen by God to execute his law, himself trampled upon its precepts. He who should have been a terror to evildoers, by his own acts strengthened their hands. Amid the perils of his earlier life, David, in conscious integrity, could trust his case with God. The Lord's hand had guided him safely past the unnumbered snares that had been laid for his feet. But now, guilty and unrepentant, he did not ask help and guidance from heaven, but sought to extricate himself from the dangers in which sin had involved him. Bathsheba, whose fatal beauty had proved a snare to the king, was wife of Uriah the Hittite, one of David's bravest and most faithful officers. None could foresee what would be the result should the crime become known. The law of God pronounced the adulterer guilty of death, and the proud-spirited soldier, so shamefully wronged, might avenge himself by, it, by taking the life of the king or by exciting the nation to revolt. You see, David deserved death not Bathsheba. It was Bathsheba who was going to get blamed for the death had David not done anything. That's why she contacted him to begin with. If she thought that he was going to murder her husband, she never would have contacted him. I don't think. Going on with the quote, it says, Every effort which David made to conceal his guilt proved unavailing. He had betrayed himself into the power of Satan. Danger surrounded him. Dishonor, more bitter than death, was before him. There appeared but one way of escape, and in his desperation he was hurried on to add murder to adultery. He who had com compassed the destruction of Saul was seeking to leave David also to ruin. Though the temptations were difficult, or were different, they were alike in leading to transgression of God's law. David reasoned that if Uriah was slain by the hand of enemies in battle, the guilt of his death could not be traced to the king. Bathsheba would be free to become David's wife. Suspicion could be averted, and the royal honor would be maintained. And this is sort of this is sick the way this all went down, because listen to this: Uriah was made the bearer of his own death warrant. A letter sent by his hand to Joab from the king commanded, "Set ye Uriah." in the forefront of the hottest battle, and retire ye from him, that he may be spit, smitten and die. Joab, already stained with the guilt of one wanton murder, did not hesitate to obey the king's instructions, and Uriah fell by the sword of the children of Amnon. And skipping down after Uriah was dead, Bathsheba observed the customary days of mourning for her husband. 
At their close, David sent and fetched her to his house, and she became his wife. doesn't say that she, she knocked down his door to come in. It says David sent and fetched her. That's, that's, the Bible, what, that's what the Bible records. Because they're, they're quoting the Bible right there. Uh, going on, it says, He whose tender conscience and high sense of honor would not permit him, even when in peril of his life, to put forth his hand against the Lord's anointed, had so fallen that he could wrong and murder one of his most faithful and most valiant soldiers and hope to enjoy undisturbed the reward of his sin. Alas, how had the fine gold become dim? How had the most fine gold changed? From the beginning, Satan has portrayed to men the gains to be won by transgression. Thus he seduced angels. Thus he tempted Adam and Eve to sin. And thus he is still leading multitudes away from obedience to God. The path of transgression is made to appear desirable, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 14.12 Happy they who, having ventured in this way, learn how bitter are the fruits of sin, and turn from it betimes. God in his mercy did not leave David to be lured to utter ruin by the deceitful rewards of sin. For the sake of Israel also there was necessity for God to interpose. As time passed on, David's sin towards Bathsheba became known, and suspicion was excited that he had planned the death of Uriah. Now did you hear that? As time, the spirit of prophecy is saying, as time passed on, David's sin toward Bathsheba. Now they weren't in this together if he sinned against her. If he sinned against her, they weren't in this together. She's obvious. If he's sinning against her, he's he's the he's the offender. He's the on the offensive, and she's being victimized by that statement. As time passed on, David's sin toward Bathsheba became known. The Lord was dishonored. He had favored and exalted David, and David's sin. Not Bathsheba's, David's sin met, misrepresented the character of God and cast reproach upon his name. It tended to lower the standard of godliness in Israel, to lessen in many minds the abhorrence of sin, while those who did not love and fear God were by it emboldened in transgression. So as you can see, according to the Bible... The Bible never condemns Bathsheba, never puts the blame on her, never once says that she sinned. In the parable that Nathan gives, we can see that she's in, she's, if there's, if there's camps, if there's parties here of this whole situation, she's in the victim's party. She's in the victim's camp while David is in the oppressor's camp. That's the picture that the Bible paints. Now, the spirit of prophecy takes it a step further. It says David sinned against Bathsheba. It said David did an injustice to Uriah and Bathsheba. It doesn't say that it, if Bathsheba was at fault, even partly, it should say David and Uriah did an injustice, or, or sorry, David and Bathsheba did an injustice to Uriah, or David and Bathsheba sinned against Uriah, or Israel, or God. Or David and Bathsheba, what they what they did displeased the Lord. But it doesn't say that. And not only that, one of the things I found most interesting was that the Bible actually does not support uh, the idea that Bathsheba 
was on the roof, at least not according to the King James Version and the Geneva Bible. You cannot prove that. So, interesting, the myths that are surrounding Bathsheba, it's so easy for us to try to blame her or to, to, to shift stuff onto her, but you gotta, you got to remember who David was. And I, I honestly feel like she was in a such a position where she was just totally shocked by the entire situation, didn't know what to do, and it, it sounds very similar. Like some of these these victims of of what's trending in the news right now, Jeffrey Epstein. When you hear some of the survivors' testimonies, they sound it sounds like this would have been a similar situation that Bathsheba would have been in. You know, very intimidated by the wealth and power of the individual, um, you know, being fetched to go to his house, not knowing exactly what they were getting into. Maybe Bathsheba was wondering if Uriah had died in combat. Who knows? But when he basically forced himself upon her, she didn't know what to do, and she essentially... She was raped. I mean, at the end of the day, she was raped. And then she lost her husband for it. And then she lost her child. And then, you know, people tried to use her again later. You know, Adonijah tried to use her and uh, to commit treason later on. And we've, we've looked at that before. And we talked a lot about this in the last episode. So I don't want to go far too far down that. But I really wanted to prove from the Bible and the spirit of prophecy especially, that the Bible does not put the blame on Bathsheba in one instance. Find me the verse, Old Testament or New Testament, where it says she's at fault, where it says what she did displeased the Lord. Find me that verse. But until, until I see that verse, I can see from the parable of Nathan, and I can also see from the plain testimony of the of the spirit of prophecy in patriarchs and prophets and in spiritual gifts volume 4 i can plainly see that bathsheba was the one who had the injustice done to her and was not the one doing the injustice that's according to the inspiration of the holy spirit and at the end of the day my conscience is captive to that and i pray that yours is as well so that's going to do it for our show today. We're just about out of time. Please catch us next time here on Truth Triumphant Radio. I've been your host, Cody Mori, and we look forward to next time. God bless.